You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll explore the power we can tap into through prayer and how praying helps bring God's will down to earth. Father, we love you so very much, and I thank you for this opportunity to to call on you and to know that you hear and that you not only hear, but you answer our prayer. Father, I continue to ask that the worship center, more than anything else, that we would be known as a house of prayer. And I continue to ask that, that you would continue to push us to lean into you and to pray first. And now, Lord, as we continue to study your word, to understand in a deeper way the power and the significance of prayer, open our hearts and speak to us tonight as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I want to ask you to take out your message notes because tonight I want to share about the purpose and the power of prayer. I want to share tonight about the purpose and the power of prayer. And I want to go back to the verse of scripture that we ended with uh, on Sunday when we were teaching about spiritual warfare, Matthew 16 in verses 17, 18, and 19, and this is when Jesus replied. It's, it's on the screen. It's also at the top of your message notes. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or Hades, will not prevail against it. And I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind, there it is, on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's where we stopped on Sunday. Because I was sharing with you the power that we have. While the devil is real, while the devil is at war with us, while the devil has power, he is subject to the name of Jesus. There's absolutely nothing that the enemy can do that's bigger and badder than the name of Jesus. This is why we have to go on the offensive. And a part of the way that we do that is through prayer. I shared with you on Sunday that prayer is not just communion with God, but it's confrontation with the enemy. And I want to make sure that you understand in a deeper way why that is significant. And I want to start by reading this testimony from uh, one of uh, the brothers that are a part of our, our wonderful church. And he sent this to me. And he said, hi, Pass. The subject of this email is man to man. I just want to say thank you. He said, hi, Pass. My family and I have been going to the worship center for a number of years now. And in the past, I've sat quietly in church just uh, listening to your messages. And since I've been going, I've been growing so much. I can safely say that I'm not the man that I used to be. But this year has been more trying than ever for me with the passing of my mother and my, my great-grandmother and great-aunt and aunt and dealing with what seems to be a mountain of financial issues. In fact, things got so bad for my family that I stopped tithing, didn't think I had the money. I stopped praying. I honestly was angry at God and really felt like uh, he wasn't listening to me or the needs of my family. I started drinking more and worrying more and caring less and overall feeling alone in trying to handle all of this. Needless to say, I've fallen short financially and in my role as a husband to my wife and to, as a father to my kids. In short, I was broken and I gave up. But the last straw for me happened Friday when I came home from work just to find my family sitting in the dark because the power was cut off. I cried because I worked so hard 
to provide for my wife and kids, yet it still wasn't enough. I still failed them. I got so down on myself that my wife started praying for me until I started praying for myself. And I prayed so hard on my knees and on my hands and knees that I couldn't stand up when I was finished. The last thing I said in prayer was begging God for his help. Whatever he wanted me to do, I'll do. Just please help me for the sake of my family. I just felt so unworthy to talk to God in Jesus' name, but I did it anyway. Well, God's answer came today in the message that you delivered. It's time for me to put the enemy back in his place, to pick up my sword and shield and fight back. Amen. My mind has been renewed and spirit ignited. It's, it's time for me to start tithing again and praying often and getting involved in this church the way that he wants me and my family to be. And he ends by saying, thank you. I wanted to share that testimony because when we pray, I need you to understand the purpose and the power of prayer. If you're really going to pray and if you're really going to go on the offensive and engage in spiritual warfare, then you've got to understand the purpose. You've got to understand the power of prayer. And in order to do that, you have to understand really what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to do more than just save the world from sin. Yes, he did do that. But, but in one word, uh, Jesus' purpose, get this in your message notes, was repossession. It was repossession. Uh, in, in, when, when something is repossessed, when, when your car or something is repossessed, the, the owner takes back possession of it. In the Garden of Eden, when sin entered the world, dominion and authority that God handed over to Adam was taken by the enemy. And so what Jesus came to do was not just to save the world. A lot of times we spend an inordinate amount of time staying in what I call the first dimension, which is just salvation. We, we focus on the fact that Jesus came, that we might be saved and have access to God. And yes, that's important. And yes, he came to do it. But in a broader sense, he came to do much more. This is part of the reason why Jesus is referred to through, through Scripture as the second Adam. Because he came to restore what Adam lost. This is part of the reason why uh, when Jesus appears uh, to Mary uh, after he is resurrected, uh, she mistakes him for a gardener because he came to restore in the garden what Adam lost in the garden. And so there are parallels because what he came to do is not just to save. Yes, he did that. But he also came that, that, that there may be repossession, that the grips of the enemy on our lives would be broken and that we would be restored to the authority, the power, and the dominion that we are supposed to have because of who we are in Christ. And so when Jesus gives Peter these keys, when he says, but behold, I give you the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. These keys are designed to do a couple of things. Write these in your notes. These keys are designed, A, to stop hell's worst and to release heaven's best. Because this is what Jesus did throughout his ministry. You see him going into the synagogue. You see him um, casting out demons. Because what is he doing? He is restoring us back to our rightful place. He is breaking off the enemy's strongholds and, and, and holes on people and on families 
And he is liberating people to, to the victory and the power and the freedom that belongs to us in Jesus Christ. That's why I wanted to share this testimony with you. Because this brother was sharing how, how the enemy had been attacking his family. But he recognizes who he is in Christ. His heart is renewed. His spirit is ignited. And he's ready to go on the offensive. Because that is what belongs to us. And so when Jesus gives Peter these keys, he says, I want you... Now that I'm getting ready to ascend to heaven, when I go back and take my rightful place, it is the church's responsibility through prayer to continue the work that I've been doing, which is to stop hell's worst and to release heaven's best. The, the second thing that these keys are designed to do, B, is to release the captives and to literally shatter Satan's chains. That means we are supposed to engage in spiritual warfare and go on the offensive. And so many people have heard time and time again that Jesus is coming back, and he is. But what we fail to realize is that in the meantime, he's given us, the church, uh, the mandate to introduce the kingdom of God and the rulership of God in the lives of people. This is why we care about others. This is why the focus of our ministry is the lost. Because while we have been set free, while we have received salvation, and while we are just enjoying the power of who we are in Christ, there are so many people on the outside that don't have this freedom, that don't have this salvation, that are in chains and in bondage, and the enemy is having his way in their life. And so a part of what Jesus calls the church to do in giving Peter, giving us these keys through prayer is to bind and lose. What are we to bind? We are to bind Satan's activities. We are to shut down how he's kept people in chains and kept them in bondage. What are we to release? We're to release joy and favor and all of the things that belong to the people of God. And so the church is under the mandate to change the world that we have been rescued from. This is why it's not enough to, to say, okay, I've given my life to Jesus. I've gotten connected to a church. Now it's time for me to sit down. This is why we talk to you about growth track because there's a purpose of understanding 101 and 201. And then there's a purpose to understanding 301, making sure that you know the gifts that God has deposited in you because the end goal is to get to 401 where you join the dream team and we are active in making a difference in the lives of people because one of the ways we do that is through prayer because prayer opens the door to establish the rulership of God on earth this is why we studied last week in Bible study the Lord's Prayer the Lord's Prayer format one of the things that Jesus teaches is that what we are supposed to pray is that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven God wants to establish his rulership, and his dominion on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning he wants to shatter the work of the enemy and what Satan has been doing in the lives of so many people that are lost and don't know the Lord. Well, how does that happen? It happens when we as the church come together and pray. This is why we have a prayer focus. And the number one thing on our prayer focus is to pray for the lost. Why? Because there's so many people that don't know the Lord and are bound. The enemy is having their way, his way in their life, and we are supposed to shut it down. And so through prayer, one of the things that we do is we help to establish the rulership, the rulership of God on the earth. 
And so I want you to understand that the ministry of the church is, is much bigger than, 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 than preaching and singing. That, that one of the most important things that we are called to do as believers is to bring down to earth the will of God that is in heaven. How do we do it? We do it through prayer. When we pray, when we come together and pray, what we're literally saying to God is, God, we want your will. And, and so I want to give you two things tonight. That you got to understand in order to recognize the power and the purpose of prayer. The first thing that I want you to know, number one, is that God is working through the church today. That God works through the church. This is why Jesus gives Peter the keys. This is why I taught you on Sunday that you can go on the offensive. That, that you don't have to take whatever the enemy is trying to do to you or anybody else. We don't have to just take it. We don't have to just live under our shield and let the enemy shoot arrows to us. No, that we as believers, we as the church have the keys. And so prayer, the prayer of the church is significant because it will determine the manifestation of the power of God. Why? Because God determined long ago with this conversation between Jesus and Peter to establish his power and to allow it to be revealed through the church. So understand it kind of like this. It's, it's like the flow of water into, into one's house. That, that, that takes a, there's a pipe that, that, that goes from, from whatever the water main uh, is in your, in near your house to bring water into your house. And so water will flow through that pipe. And the, the power of that water flowing will be determined by how large that pipe is. If the pipe is small, then there's going to be a small flow of water. But if that pipe is larger, then there's going to be a greater flow of water into your house. That's the same thing that Jesus establishes and God is telling us in his word about the church and prayer. That if we don't pray much, then there'll be a little bit of flow of God's power. But if we really understand the purpose and the power of prayer and really Really lean into it and pray, then the power of God will flow in a greater way. Let me show this to you in Scripture. Look at Ezekiel 36 in your notes and look at verse 33. It says, Thus says the Lord God, On the day that I cleanse you from all of your iniquity, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities. And the ruins shall be rebuilt, and the desolate land shall be tilled until uh, the lying, uh, until instead, rather, of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden, and the wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted that which was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. I will increase their men like flock, like the flock offered uh, as holy sacrifices, like the flock of Jerusalem uh, on its feast days. So shall the ruined cities be filled with flocks of men. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. The point of this is that God has a purpose for the nation of Israel. But God says, I'm not going to do it instantly. God says, I, I want to change the desolate, ruined places into blessed places. But God says, I'm not going to do it instantly. I am going to wait until the house of Israel inquires of me. He says, I'm going to wait until the nation of Israel prays for the very thing that God says he wants to do. Did, did you get that? Even though God has purposed and desired to do a thing, he says, I'm not going to do it immediately. I'm going to wait until people come into agreement and begin to pray. 
See, see, there are some things, in other words, that God won't just go ahead and do, but he'll wait until we begin to pray. He will wait until all of us as the church comes into agreement and says, God, we want your will. That's, the, that's why Jesus teaches us to pray this way in the Lord's Prayer. We, God will wait until the church comes together and says, and says, God, we want your will. Then he will begin to move. Let me show you another example. Look at Isaiah chapter 62. And verse number six, he says, I posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You call on the Lord. Give yourselves no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. The Lord is sworn by his right hand and by mighty men. Never again will I give your grain as food to your enemies and never again will foreigners drink the new wine for which you toiled. But those who harvest it will eat it and praise the Lord. And those who gather the grapes will drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. Pass through, pass through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Remove the stones. Raise a banner for the nations. The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughters, I and see your Savior come. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. So once again, a lot of scripture, but I want you to see this. God says, I intend to make Jerusalem a praise in the earth, but how is it going to happen? God says, the watchmen have got to pray. And not just once. God says, the watchmen have got to pray until God does what he he intends to do. It's kind of like Jesus teaching in Luke 18 about about the the, the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. The widow just kept praying. The widow just kept going back to the unjust judge. And the Bible says God, uh, Jesus rather, shows this parable because the point he's making to the disciples is that we we should always pray and never give up. God says, I I have a plan for Jerusalem, but, but I won't establish it until people begin to pray for it. And I want you to get this. God has a plan for your family. God has a plan for your city. God has a plan for our church. God has a plan for what he wants to establish in Birmingham, in the nation, and in the world. But there are some things that God won't just do automatically. He will wait until we pray. All of the moves of God, all of the revivals of of the recent centuries have happened because there were people who came together to pray. One of the great heroes of of the faith once said it like this, God's will is like a train, but our prayers are the rails of that train, meaning that this train can travel to any place, but it's got to run on rails. So it's not that in some situations God is not powerful because he's all powerful. The, The issue is we haven't really provided him any rails to run on. This is why, before you do anything, pray first. Because we so often get in stuff, and we're like, God, we want your power. But we never provided him the rails to run on. How do we do that? We do it through prayer. Sometimes when when I reflect on this, it makes me wonder, how many unfinished things are just stacked up and stored in heaven that God wants to dispense but we haven't prayed for it. I wonder, I wonder what your family would look like if you would just literally take everything to God in prayer. I wonder what our cities would look like if we would take everything to God in prayer. I wonder what the nation would look like if, if we wouldn't complain as much, but would just begin to pray. Let me give you this last one. Here's the second thing. Our prayers, if they're going to be purposeful and powerful, number two, 
The prayers we pray have to originate with God. See, often throughout Scripture, here's a pattern that God establishes. Whenever God wants to do a work, here's the pattern, and I want you to get this in your notes. A is that God will determine his will. He will, he will, he will know what he wants to do. God has a plan for the nation of Israel. God has a plan for Noah. God has a plan for Abraham. So A, God de- determines his will. But then B, God reveals his will through his word and through his Holy Spirit. So this is why God comes to Abraham, Genesis 12, and says, leave your father's family uh, and go to a land in which I'm going to show you. This is why God finds Moses on the backside of a Midianite desert and says, go, go into Pharaoh's house and tell him, let my people go. This is why God reveals himself to Noah and says, no, I need you to build the ark. Because A, once God determines his will, B, God reveals his will through his word and through the Holy Spirit. But then C, we as God's children then have to return uh, his will to him by praying and by obeying him. There's a particular powerful passage of scripture where God says, where God says, put me in remembrance of my promises. Which means that a part of what we should be doing when we're praying is we ought to be saying, now, God, you said we we ought to be returning to him his will and what he desires to do. And we know it because of what he's laid out in his word. And then D, once we do that in our time of prayer, God will accomplish the thing that he desires. This is often how it happens through scripture. So all significant prayers has this element of returning the will of God back to him, putting God in remembrance of his promises. It's not that God doesn't remember, and it's not that God has forgotten, but a part of powerful prayer is to stand on the promise that God made and say, God, this is what we want. This is the will that we're believing for. This is what we're looking for you to do. So that means then, if the bulk of our prayers are simply about our stuff and our plans, they will be ineffective. Once again, last week, this is why Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer that before you even get to your stuff, the first thing you ought to be praying is, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because God has a plan. God has an agenda. And so our job is, is not so much to try to make God do something he doesn't want to do. Our job when we come together and pray is to say, God, this is what you said. This is what we're believing you for. We stand in faith and we look for you to do it. Um, let me give you an example of this. Look at Genesis chapter 32. I referenced on Sunday how Moses interceded for the nation of Israel and his intercession literally changed the mind of God. It's right here. In Genesis 32 and verse 7, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. Moses is on Mount Sinai. The people are down. They made a golden calf. They took the, the, the monies that God blessed them with to just be a demonstration of how much he loved them and how much he would take care of them. They took those monies and they, they made a golden calf. And so God says, They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and made themselves an idol cast into the shape of a calf. They bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses. They are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I'll make you into a great nation. God says, Moses, I'm just going to start over, and I'll start over with you. Well, watch how Moses prays. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. He said, Lord... Why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent 
that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off of the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to whom you swore by your own self and said, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised to them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented. And did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. One translation says, and then the Lord changed his mind. Look at how Moses prays. He says, God, this is what you said. And and, and God, if you do this, if you allow this to happen, then your word will not come to pass. And I know that you are not a man that you should lie. And so what I want you to understand is that a part of your time of prayer as you engage in spiritual warfare is that you got to stand on the word of God and say, Lord, you said. This is why I'm so excited for this brother who, who, who wrote this testimony because he, he ended up saying, I, I'm ready to take up my sword, take up my shield and fight back. How do you do it in prayer? Father, you said. You said that if I tithe, that you'll rebuke the devourer for my sake. You said that if we seek you first, your kingdom and, 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 and your will, that, that all these other things will be added unto us. You, you said, be anxious for nothing, but with all prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, make our request known and the peace of God. You, you stand on the word, and that's what you pray. God says, put me in remembrance of, of my promises. Put me in remembrance of my promises. And so this is the kind of agreement that God is looking for. When God says we're two or three gathered together, he's not just talking about that we are physically in the same place. He's not just talking about that we agree that we're going to pray together. He's talking about harmony by virtue of the word of God. Let me show this to you one more time in scripture, and then I'm going to close. Look at Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, and then we're going to flip over to Acts 2. I just want you to see this. In Luke 24 and verse 49, This is Jesus telling the disciples that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. This is a promise. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power on high. And when he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. They worshiped him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed there continually at the temple praising God. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. What were they doing? They were praising God and they were praying in the upper room. But what were they praying? They were praying for what Jesus promised to send. They were praying that God, you said, you said that you would send a comforter. You said that you would send the Holy Spirit. You said in John 15 that you would never leave us nor forsake us, that, that you wouldn't leave us without, without a comforter. So, so, Lord, we're ready whenever you want to do it. And on the day of Pentecost, God did it. What's my, what's my main point to you? The purpose and the power of prayer is when we go on the offensive, but how do we do it? Remember, your offensive weapon is, is, is the sword of, of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so, what do you do when you're using your sword? You're standing on the word of God, and you are putting God in remembrances of his promises. You are praying the word back to him. And so, yes, prayer is communion with God. Yes, prayer is confrontation with the enemy. But how do we confront him? We confront him with the word of God.
No, I'm not. I'm not a borrower because the word of God says that it is his will that we are lenders and not borrowers. You stand on that word. Lord, you said, you said, you said that, that, that if I would seek you first, you said, you, you stand on that word. You said that, that because I'm a, I'm a son of Abraham, that, that all of the promises that you made him belong to me. What did you promise to Abraham that you'd bless him to be a blessing? You, you know, you stand on that word. And so tonight, my assignment from the Holy Spirit is to continue to equip you in your time of prayer, but to give you more instructions about how to be effective. And that is, you got to pray the word of God. You have to put God in remembrance of his promises as you pray over your families, as you pray over your children, as you pray over what God has called you to do, as you pray over the city, as you pray over this church. What are we praying for as a church? We're not praying for something isolated. We want the will of God to be done through this ministry. We want the lost to be saved. We want our church to be life-giving. We want more of our church to be involved in small groups. We want a heart of generosity to overflow with this church so that we could do more and touch the lives of other people. It's all in our prayer focus. I can go on and on and on. But all of those things that we're praying for originate in the word of God. This is what he desires. So you know what? As I close, every head bowed, every eye closed. In a moment, I'm going to hand you over to our campus leaders in training. Man, I feel such a strong anointing just, just for prayer. I, I want to ask for you to just bow your heads. And normally, I pray for you. But I want you to take a moment, and I want you to just take a few minutes and right where you are to begin to pray. But, but I want you to not just go into, God, this is what I need. I want you to say, God, I want what you want. I want you to take a second and try to reprioritize your list, your prayer list with the will of God. Maybe this is a moment that you can take out the prayer focus for our church and begin to pray that. But I just want to give you a moment to do that. And all over this room, I want us to just begin to pray. But what we want is we want God, your will, your will for our cities, for our church, for our homes. We want your will to be done. So would you just pause and do that just for a moment? And then our campus leaders in training will come and will extend the invitation because I don't want anybody to leave without first making sure that you've given Christ your life and that you've gotten connected to this, this wonderful church family. So they'll be up in a moment to do that. But let's take a moment and let's pray and let's seek God for his will. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.